the lesson is written in the sixth chapter of Galatians, the 14th verse. Paul writes, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. This is the word of the Lord. I just read the text for today's sermon. It's just one sentence, one powerful sentence. Paul is a complex writer. There's often a lot of meaning in just few words. The interesting thing is that sometimes that meaning seems to shift over the centuries and through the cultures, so sometimes we take away from his words something quite different from what he intended. To really dig into the truth of what he's sharing, we must work to understand him. Today's text is one verse long, but it's packed with meaning. It illuminates our faith and Christian history. Paul's the first great Christian theologian. His letters are written to the early Christian groups gathered around the Roman Empire, that first generation of believers. The Galatians lived in the region of Galatia, which is part of modern-day Turkey. When Paul writes to them, he pens words that are just amazing. He says, may I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's about as weird a statement as anyone could make in the first century. When we hear those words through our 21st century filter, we think, ah, yes, we understand. We cling to the cross of Christ, seeing in it all we have to be thankful for. We rejoice in the saving faith which has been given to us. We think about it that way because of our modern culture and the history of Christian faith through the centuries. Crosses top beautiful churches built to the glory of God. We hang crosses on the walls of our homes and offices. We wear them on necklaces. We bury our beloved dead with crosses on urns and caskets, on headstones and inscriptions. But in the first century, when Paul pens these words, the world's very different. In Paul's time, the cross was unspeakable, the most miserable and offensive image. It represented cruel torture and ignoble death. To die on a cross was the most shameful end. The last thing you would ever boast of would be a cross. A mention of the cross with Christian faith was a source of derision. Now, this is an example of anti-Christian graffiti, which was scratched into a wall in ancient Rome around the year 200. It provides a view of early Christianity by the average Roman. This graffito is some scratched imagery and writing. What's projected here may be difficult to decipher, so let me show you a tracing of it. 
this is not an image of the cross meant to elicit awe or worship. This is a mockery of a man, Alexamenos, an early Christian, and a mockery of a Lord who would die the shameful death of a criminal on a cross. The inscription in Greek reads, Alexamenos is worshiping his God. This is a mocking depiction of a Christian in the act of worship. In this era, pagans derided Christians for worshiping someone who had been crucified. Some Romans believed that Christians, as well as Jews, worshipped the head of an ass. Do you see the figure of Alexamenos on the left? His arm is raised in adoration of his crucified God. Note that in the top center, there's a representation of a man with the head of an ass on a cross. Imagine what it's like in Paul's time and in the centuries afterward when Christianity is an illegal religion, a faith punishable by death. No one wears cross jewelry. No one entombs those they love with the symbol of the cross. Centuries will go by before there's even a hint of this among Christians. Now, that was an important point. Even Christians do not use cross imagery for hundreds of years. The early Christians around Rome buried their dead in the underground chambers of the catacombs. The slots for burial, called loculi, were inexpensive resting places for the dead. You can see here the hollowed-out recesses stacked one on top of the other. Now, please don't imagine that in ancient times people walked down these corridors with the rotting bodies in view. The slabs had, uh, there were slabs containing inscriptions uh, that closed up each of the uh, loculi. The inscriptions tended to have the name of the person buried there. Paintings covered some of the walls, but nowhere was the cross of Christ included in imagery during the early Christian era. After nearly three centuries, Christianity's legalized. The first Christian emperor, Constantine, places Christians in high posts around the empire. The persecuted become the powerful. Big changes happen. Yet there's still a reluctance by the faithful to show Christ on the cross. Even the plain cross itself is a rare image. Now here's a look at a sculpture on the side of a grand sarcophagus, which is a stone coffin. This was created in the mid-300s a few years after Christianity was legalized, and it depicts some scenes from the Passion of Christ. On the left, Christ carries his cross to Golgotha, accompanied by a Roman soldier. Next to that, he is crowned with thorns. Two panels on the right depict Jesus being brought before Pontius Pilate for trial, and Pilate washing his hands of the judgment against Jesus. Do you see the cross? In the center panel, two peaceful doves perch on it. 
I'm going to take you in for a look at just that central panel. Yes, a cross is finally, finally in the mid-300s being used as a symbol of Christian faith. Beneath the cross here, we see two sleeping Roman sentries at the tomb of Christ, a subtle reference to the resurrection. However, the concept of depicting Christ on the cross is still, after three centuries, too repugnant. Instead, the central cross has a symbol on it that represents the name of Christ. It's called the key row. And those are the names of the first two Greek letters in the name of Christ. The key looks like an, an X, and it makes a sound rather like our CH. Uh, the row looks like a tall letter P and makes the R sound. So you put the CH and R sounds together, and you can hear the beginning of Christos, uh, the Greek equivalent of our word Christ. So these two letters become the monogram for Christ, whose body is not yet depicted on the cross. In fact, an image of Christ on the cross will not be created until the 400s. Writhing in agony on an instrument of torture was too real, too horrifying, too much a part of the cruelty of the age. It was definitely not something to be embraced or boasted of. And that's true even centuries after Paul writes the words we're talking about today. All this business about boasting in the cross, well, that's just crazy talk to anyone living in the first century in the time of Paul. Far from being reluctant, however, Paul was eager to boast in the cross. Christianity turns the values of the world upside down. And this is what Paul is saying. Expectations are reversed. Paul is all about the cross. He does not shrink from it. The cross crucifies the powers of sin and division, which are so characteristic of this world. Jesus has been put to death under the powers of this world. The world's a cruel place, but the power of this sinful world has been wiped away by the power of the cross, by the willingness of Jesus to carry our sin to the cross. Paul acknowledges that he's part of the old cruel order of this world. When he was young, he himself had persecuted believers in Jesus. He witnessed the stoning of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, and he approved of it. But then on the road to Damascus, and you know why he was going to Damascus, right? To kill Christian believers. On the road to Damascus, Paul had seen and heard the crucified and risen Christ. The old order of this world now reverts, and Paul walks through this world not rejecting the cross but embracing it. Paul's on a new course, one that the world of the first century finds inexplicable. In Thessalonica, Paul and his companions are violently sought out by the Jews. You remember what they said about those who were sharing the good news? They were accused, and I quote, of 
turning the world upside down. At the time, it was meant as criticism, but it was actually a correct observation of what was happening. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus has turned the world upside down. Everything that ruled the world under the powers of sin and hate are supplanted by a greater power, the power of the cross, the power of righteousness and love, a new path of forgiveness and embrace with the Lord at the center of all things. When Paul speaks of boasting in the cross, these are the things of which he boasts. The old way of sin and death has been overcome. Paul's words are a challenge. Stop living in the world, live instead, and live eternally in the cross of Christ. No one had a more single-minded vision for life than Paul did. He could say it in different ways. In Acts 20.24, he says it this way. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what's he saying there? Well, he testifies that his life is dedicated in every way to telling the story of Jesus, the crucified one the one who is rejected and shamed by the world. Paul does not see a worldly life as valuable at all. The powers, honors, comforts, and privileges of this world are nothing. Only serving in the shadow of the cross is an accomplishment. He's proud of it. He boasts about being a Christian. In a world that despises Christians... He carries the message openly wherever he goes. About 10 years after he writes his letter to the Galatians, he will die for sharing the message of the cross, for boasting in it. Think what a difference his life made. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference, but you do have to know what truly matters, and then be willing to live for it, as Paul did. If you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on into eternity, then you must know what is glorious and have a heart on fire for it. No one had a more single-minded vision for life than Paul. Only boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ, a single passion, rejoicing in the cross of Christ alone. Amen.